0: Good morning everyone. Good Good to see you all today. That's a good day, isn't it? Despite the storm, it's a good day. It's always a good day when you see people making a public declaration of their commitment to Jesus and their desire to follow him for the rest of their lives. Uh, What really gives me a lot of joy um, is to see uh, Jess baptised, because Jess has grown up in a Baptist church all of her life, and then gets baptised in an Anglican church. (laughs) And I'm always going to hold that against you, Richard. I'm always going to say. She waited until she found a proper church and then... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how it's done. That's how it's done. So today we're um, just looking at uh, Luke 15. We know the stories, the, the parable of the prodigal son. It's probably one of the most well-known stories in the Bible. And... Um, The title that we give it is probably a false title. We call it the Prodigal Son. It's all about the Son. But actually the story is really all about the Father. It's about God. It's about how God is and what God is like. And next week we are starting a new sermon series, uh, which this is a kind of precursor to. So next week we're going to start looking at uh, some of the, just a few, some, some of the Old Testament names for God. But we're looking at them through the lens of God as our Father. So we're going to look at uh, the, the God who heals, uh, the, the Lord who is our shepherd, uh, the Lord who sees us, and a few others that we're just going to focus on. But we're going to look at them through the eyes of God as our Heavenly Father. And this story is a kind of story that, for, the, for this term, for this rest of the, up until Easter, is kind of... Underlying all of those sermons. This is a picture of God, of what he's like and how we relate to him. And all those names of God will kind of fit into that. And so we're going to encourage you for the next seven weeks to not only kind of reflect on the sermons and the names of God, but also to be reading this story. And I want to encourage you to read the story over and over and over again. Because it's such a powerful and deep story it is filled with truth it's filled with life and the more you reflect on it the more you'll discover who God is and you might think you know I've read the story once that's enough I was talking to a, a friend of mine he'd been on retreat and uh, he's a very bright guy and uh, the the guy in retreat. Uh, gave him a passage of scripture and he said right I want you to go and reflect on that passage And uh, after about an hour, he kind of pulled everything out that he could. And he went back to the retreat leader and said, "Uh, I've done it, I've done what you said. He said, right, go away and spend a bit more time with the passage. For the next hour, he struggled, he struggled, he struggled, got nothing. He went back to the retreat leader. He said, I've tried, but there's nothing else in it. And the retreat leader said, go back and spend more time in the passage. He spent another two hours just reading and reading and reading the passage. And all of a sudden, it's like... Bang! All sorts of new revelation and truth just came out of that passage. So I want to encourage you, for the next seven weeks, read this passage. Spend time in it. And we'll show you in our weekly email, we'll give you some ideas about how you can spend time in a passage. How you can do some study around it, and how you can use your imagination around it. And just use this passage to undergird everything else that we're going to say about God and who he is as our Father. Would you do that? Yeah, Yeah, okay. Fantastic. That was three people. That's more than before. (laughs) So prodigal. Who knows what the word prodigal means? Come on. There must be some intelligent people. No. 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 Lavishly generous, yeah, kind of extravagant. It also means kind of wasteful. So that's what the son was. He was extravagantly wasteful with the money that he got off his dad. That's what prodigal means. It means extravagant or wasteful uh, or um, generous in some way. And so this talk is based around the idea that our God is like that. Our God is prodigal, because he is incredibly extravagant, almost wastefully extravagant in how he relates to us. And that's what I want us to think about this morning. And uh, all I'm going to do is focus on some things about the, the father in the story. We're not really going to focus on the son, we're not going to focus on the older son, If you want to, you can get a book. We'll order it for you, called The Prodigal God by Timothy Keller. It is the best book on this parable. It's not heavy. It's not thick. Any of you can read it, even someone like Phil Ratcliffe. He could read it really well. So I would encourage you to buy it. We can get it cheap for you, okay? So if you sign up uh, on the welcome desk, we will get that for you. But the first thing I just want to focus on initially is... That little bit of the story where the son comes to him and says, give me what I am owed. Give me my share of your inheritance. And the father gives him what he wants. Even though probably the father would have known what this son was like and what this son was going to do with it, he still gives it to him. And God's like that with all of us. He gives us our life And it's up to us then to do what we want with it. He fills us with potential. He fills us with gifts and abilities and skills that each and every one of us have. And we can do what we like with it. He gives us what we want, to some extent, which is our own free will. Our own ability to follow after our desires. Our own ability to make our own decisions and to live life the way that we want to live life. Only that always doesn't go so well, does it? I became a Christian at 21. And I wasn't bad like Bob. I mean, <laughs> big bad Bob, you know? But you <laughs> nah, he was a bad... I mean, I've heard some of the stories that Bob's told. Yeah, wow. Uh, <laughs> get, get Bob to one side and have a chat with him. Honestly, he'll, he's fantastic. I was just an ordinary guy, but I'd made some bad decisions... And my life, even at 21, was going nowhere. I could see that. I could feel it in me that my life was simply being wasted. I'd received all this potential, and yet I was just frittering it away. And lots of people get to that point where they look at their life, and sometimes they're young and sometimes they're old, but they think, what am I doing right now with my life? What is the point of my life? I've had all of this given to me. And we are fortunate in this country. We have great education. Most of us have homes to go to. We, most of us have enough food to eat. We have all of this, and yet we waste it. And God has given us that extravagantly, really, wastefully. He gives it all to us, knowing that we will waste it. But it's called free will. It's called the opportunity to absolutely screw up. And most of us in some ways do. Maybe in small ways, for some people in massive ways. But we all end up at the same place. The Bible says this, that we have all fallen short of the glory of God. In other words... God has this idea of how we can fulfill our potential, how we can be the people he created us to be. And yet we never quite get there on our own strength because we make decisions that are just bad for us. And I guess this younger son, when he went to his dad, thought, you know what, I'll get my inheritance. I'm going to go to the big city. I'm going to spend it on all sorts of things. I'm going to live the life. And it was just a bad decision and we've all been there without fail we've all been there and you might even be looking at your life thinking yeah well I'm doing all right in my life I'm pretty secure I'm well off all those kind of things but when compared to how God intended you to be you've fallen short because ultimately, you've sought to live your own life your way. You now we waste our life by chasing after pointless things instead of enjoying the thing that was always available to us, always freely available to us, which is the love of God. And that's what the son realizes in this story as he's sitting there in his pig pen, eating the pig food, he realizes that he could go home. He could go home to his father, even though he has offended his father. And you think, well, how do you offend his father? He offended his father by asking for his inheritance before his father died. He's basically saying to his dad, you know what, I can't wait for you to die, so I'm going to take my inheritance now and live the life. I wish you were dead, but you're not dead, so give it to me now. And as he sits in his pig pen, he realises that even the servants are living a better life in his father's house than he is trying to live his own life. And so he goes back. And he's worried, and he doesn't know what's going to happen. And I guess as he's walking back, he can see the house in the distance. And what does he see but this old man running out of the house, lifting up his dress, which because it was like a long dress that men wore in those days, running to him. It says in that passage that the father was filled with compassion. So even though his father had been offended by what the son had done, he had never stopped loving him. And he sees his son and he runs to him. In Jesus' day, for an old man of his standing to run would have been undignified. It would have been frowned upon. He'd have been laughed at by others of of his peers. He gets up to the sun. He throws his arms around him. He hugs him. He kisses him. He's just so pleased to have him back. See, the one thing I can guarantee for each and every one of you is the one thing that God will always be extravagant in. And that is his love for you. Nothing that you ever do will ever separate you from the love of God. There's absolutely nothing. And some of you might be thinking, you know, some of the things I've done in my life, the way I've lived my life, the way I've ignored God in my life, surely, surely he doesn't love me now. And yet he never ever stops loving you. It is the one constant in the universe that you can always count on, that he loves you. In 1 John 3, John says this, See what great love the Father has lavished on us. I love that word, lavished. It's kind of like it's more than enough, isn't it? When you lavish something on someone, you're giving them what they need and then you're giving them even more. And God's love is lavished on you. He gives you the love that you need and then He keeps on giving you more. It's more than you can take, it's more than you can handle, but He keeps on giving you His love. See, His love is so much more than we can ever imagine. It's wider and it's higher and it's deeper than anything you've ever experienced before in terms of love. And you might think you love your partner or you love your kids with a a big love, but it is nothing compared to the love that God has for you. It is a prodigal love. It is an extravagant, almost wasteful love. It's wasteful because he even loves those who will never return that love. He keeps on loving people who will constantly turn their backs onto, on him. He'll keep on loving people who will always fall short of his glory. He'll keep on loving people no matter what they do. And he'll keep on loving you. It is an extravagant love. And then what does he do? He celebrates. He tells his servants to go and get a a robe for him, a ring. He says, let's prepare a feast. Let's get the fattened calf. A calf would have been specially prepared for a long time for a special feast. And I love that idea of a fattened calf. That's great, isn't it? And they slaughter this calf and they have a party. See, that's what Jesus came for. To see people who are far away from God come back to God. And every time that happens, Jesus says, There is more rejoicing in heaven over the one who is far away who comes back than over 99 who already knew of God's love and come to him. There's a party over each of the three that have been baptised today. If you've given your life to Jesus, there's a party in heaven over you. And right now, Jesus is sending out invitations to people because there's a party yet to be for some of you. You have not yet made that decision to follow Jesus. But the Father's longing to have another party. He's longing for people to come back to him. And all too often we lose that idea of celebration in church, don't we? That when people come to know God, it's a great thing. It's a powerful thing. To hear those stories is such a powerful thing. I mean, to hear Sharon's story today, I heard things that I mean I've known Sharon for three years, and to hear some of that story that I've not heard before. It's such a powerful thing. We should celebrate what God has done in her life and in Jess's life and in Bob's life. Every time we look at them every Sunday, we should rejoice because God's been at work in them. And every Sunday should be a celebration of the power of the salvation of God to transform lives and to change hearts, to give people direction and purpose and belonging and meaning. It should be a celebration. And I love what the father says here. When the older son comes and starts moaning and says, why are we having a party for him? He's the one who wasted all your money. He's the one who went off and left you. Why are we having a party? And the father says this. My son was dead. And now he's alive. He was lost, but he's been found. And you know the symbolism of baptism, that whole kind of being laid down in the water is a symbol of the grave, that the old life has gone. And when they're lifted out, it's a symbol of the new life that God has given them. They were once dead, but now they are alive in Christ. And anyone who comes to Jesus should be experiencing that life. Anyone who knows Jesus as their Lord, as their friend, as their saviour, should be living, as Jesus said, life in all its fullness. What's not to celebrate that about that? You know, the very first verse that I, I read that seemed to impact me as a brand new Christian at 21 was that very verse, John 10, 10. I have come that you may have life, and life in all its fullness. And as a 21-year-old whose life was going nowhere, I thought, yes, that's what I want. A quality of life, not just here, but forevermore, that is much more than anything I've ever seen or tasted or experienced before in my life. And there's nothing that I would swap now for the life that God has given me. Because I recognize now that once I was dead. I was walking around, not like a zombie, I had life, you know, but I was walking around, but there's something inside of me that was just dead. But the moment I came to Jesus, it came to life. And that's the story of our three people today. That once they were dead, and now they're alive. Alive in Christ. Alive to a relationship with God the Father. Alive to a life that God wants to give them that is so much more than they've ever experienced before. And alive to a life that will last forever. And what I find hilarious in this story is that the, the younger son, wanting and grabbing what, what he thought was his by right, this little bit of stuff that the father had that he was taking away to spend wastefully, he thought he was getting it all. He thought he was getting what he needed. And then at the end of the story, you've got the, the older son who's moaning and complaining to the father. And what does the Father say to him? He says, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. Everything I have is yours. See, the truth is, lots of people think that when they come to Jesus, they are losing all sorts of things in their life. Well, I can't go out drinking or drugs or all the other stuff that we want to do. But instead, you should be thinking about what you are gaining Everything that is God's, he gives to you. All the resources of heaven, all the life and the love and the grace and the compassion that you need is poured out on you as a follower of Jesus. Everything he has is yours. You're not giving up anything you are gaining everything. That is the whole point. When you come to Jesus, you start to think, well, I've got to give up this, I've got to give up that. But you gain so much more. That is the story of my life. That is the story of so many lives here. It's a story of people who know what it means to live in the grace of God every moment of every day receiving from him everything they need and in a few weeks time we'll look at the name of God which means the Lord is my provider and I should be able to remember it in Hebrew but I can't, maybe someone can Jehovah Jireh -Jireh, thank you Yeah. the Lord's our provider all that you need to live life to the full is given to you already, it's not a an option for the future, it's given to you now. And you can live life to the full now because that's God's intention for you. And all we have to do is simply turn back. That's all this guy did, this younger son. He didn't do anything. All he did was turn back and God did the rest. And for some of us, we may have been Christians for a long time. But it feels like we've lost what it means to live life to the full. We've lost what it means to live in relationship to God. The answer is for you, it's for the same as anyone else. Just simply turn back. And maybe for some of you, it's, it's about you've never experienced the love of God in your life. You've never known what it means to live life with God. Again, just turn Back to him. The word repent simply means to turn back. To turn around and to go in a different direction. That's what the son did. He was going off doing his thing and then turned around and came back to the father. And for every single one of us here, it is exactly the same truth. We simply turn back to him and he'll do the rest he'll be the one who'll be stood there with arms open wide running towards you to embrace you to welcome you back into relationship with him he'll be the one who wants to pour upon you the lavishness of his love and give you everything that you need to welcome you back into his family that's all your father in heaven has ever wanted for you to turn back and to come back home to him shall we stand and we're going to be uh, praying for for those who are uh, who've been baptised I don't know why Hetty and the band are coming up, we're not doing that just yet But I just want us to pray for a moment. So this should be quiet. And wherever you are on your spiritual journey, whether you feel like you are way down the road on it, or whether you don't even feel like you've started it yet, God's call to each and every one of us. All the time is simply come back to him. Turn back. And a little later, we'll be moving into a time of worship and there'll be people on the side by the windows who will be available to pray for you. And I'll be there too. And I want to particularly pray for anyone who feels like they want to start this journey. They want to come back to God. To experience and to understand just how much He loves you. And I would love to pray with you as you start that journey today. I'd love there to be a party in heaven today for you. But there's no pressure. All you need to do, though, is just come out and someone will pray for you. And maybe you're one of those people who you used to really believe in God. You're passionate about God. You're on fire for God. And all that seems to have faded away. It just feels like it seems so distant. And God seems distant. I'd encourage you today to come out, to turn back to God. Allow someone to pray for you so that you can experience again a proper relationship with your Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are here. And Lord, we pray that for each and every one of us, that our lives will be characterized by constantly turning back to you. In those times when we go astray, where we make our own decisions and find that we're just failing in life, where we're just out of our depth, overwhelmed by the things that life throws at us, Lord, help us to hear your voice calling, you, calling us back to you. And Lord, I pray that for each and every one of us, we would get to that place where we are experiencing the lavishness of your love, that where we might know that we're welcomed back as your daughter as your son.